Hi, Sophie. Hi, Sam. Hi, everyone. And welcome to the Snack Covenant, episode 271. Yeah. Today, we're talking about a very special topic. Aren't all our topics special? You know how parents say, I don't have a favorite? <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> So today's topic is something from Dark Souls 2 that it's an ever-present recurring motif and idea, but it also doesn't really go anywhere. It looks a bit like it might have been something that was important in an early version and they removed it. So the thing about Dark Souls 2 versus 3, like one of the many things, is that in Dark Souls 2 specifically, the characters just kind of like, they sort of take it as read that the fire is going to be linked. And their interest is in like, well, how do we get out of this cycle? But at the same time, they're very interested in souls. They seem to be very interested in souls as a concept, like what you can do with souls. Whereas in like three, three is like, oh no, what? Well, the fire is fading. What do we do now? <laughs> it's all embers and ashes and fire and things. No one really gives a shit about souls in three. No, they don't. Yeah, and it, it's kind of bringing back to Demon Souls, where the Demon Souls is like everything comes from the soul arts. Like souls is sort of this unnatural thing that you can use to like make dragons and like turn people into monsters and stuff. Right. So. There is a recurring thing in Dark Souls 2 about like what appears to be bodies without souls and souls without bodies, essentially. Mm -hmm. I'll go through this like roughly in the order that you see it in-game. So, um, assuming we go to No Man's Wharf right. and go to the Lost Bastille from there, you start seeing everywhere these prisons for hollows that are like holding cells for hollows they look like bowling pins yeah yeah they do they also look like human effigies and they have it's what basically a bowling or like a matryoshka doll matryoshka yeah matryoshka doll shaped like thing with a hollow inside it and bars across it and you see through into there via this window on the stomach yeah which when you think about it is a really weird place to put a window because if you're standing, like, it's basically just pointing at your stomach. You wouldn't be able to see out of it unless you were sitting down. And it's uh, too narrow to sit in. Yeah. It looks to be designed after a human effigy. Which is, like, one of the first thing you get in the game. They give you the human effigy, which is, again, the same shape. Mm-hmm. Same shape kind of thing. And it looks like it's made of all these twisting branches. And inside of it. There is this little glowing thing. So it, again, it has a like little window in it. You can see into it, and there's this like glowing sort of core to it. Mm -hmm. And also inside of those matryoshka holding cell things are hollows, and the hollows also have a hole in their stomach. As you're saying this, I'm having a flashback. Yeah. Didn't someone at some point say that our soul or our mind is in our stomach? Was that you? <laughs> that sounds like a sin quote, like when you're justifying eating during a recording. 
so for your mind is in the stomach. And you should say focused. Boyfriend! Is over each here? Hi, Sophie here. When Sin says that the seat of the soul is in the stomach, she's referring to an article sent to her by longtime podcast enabler Rosalind. The subject of this article was 17th century physician Jan Baptiste Helmont, who believed that emotions were actually created in the stomach. Van Helmont's theories suggest that, quote, if a sorrowful message be brought unto a hungry man, his appetite presently perishes. As a doctor of philosophy myself, I thought I'd test Van Helmont's theory on Sin by telling her that Lambo from Reborn wasn't real. Sin was somewhat shaken by this news, but it didn't stop her from demolishing an entire turkey leg in the manner of a medieval monarch. Jan Baptiste Van Helmont destroyed with facts and logic. Back to the podcast. We have this recurring image there of like, it's literally a hollow person inside of a hollow person. It's a hollowception. Yeah. So you might be tempted to read that as a pun on like hollowing. Whoa. Except that the Japanese word for hollow is like moja. It's not like, it's not anything to do with being hollow. Moja just means like it's just basically like a dead person. It's like a reincarnation thing where like you like you die, you come back as a moja. It's like a half existence. Um, now, obviously, I want to point out at this point, like Dark Souls was a proven hit, and they would have known that like a lot of the money is coming from people who use the word hollow. So like it is possible they were thinking, oh, hollow. Okay, that's kind of an interesting like pun. But um, regardless, like. The word is still moja. So that's sort of like little chunk one. So we have like little literal hollowed out humans with windows in their stomachs inside big hollowed out humans with windows in their stomachs. And we we regain our humanity with a little hollowed out human with it with a weird thing in its stomach. So fast forward a bit to we'll go to Brightstone Cove Seldra. <laughs> and we'll visit Ornifex. Yeah. Yeah, um, do you want to tell us what happened when you met Ornifex? So I'm being chased by some frogs. Uh-huh. And I run away and I think I open a door or I fall through the floor or something and there's someone there and the frogs chase me and they kill us both. Yeah, so um, when you said, like, when I met Ornifex, the frog killed her, I thought you meant that the frog killed her in the place she goes after you rescue her because there is also a basilisk there. Little diversion here. Um, even as someone who defends Dark Souls 2 more than is healthy, Ornifex's <laughs> placement is fucking atrocious and it should never have happened. Because, like, for the people who don't know, Ornifex is in a room in Seldra, and directly outside of it are about a dozen spiders and a basilisk and an NPC Red Phantom Invader. And two mages that shoot homing projectiles, and they can all get through the door. (laughs) 
So every single time you want to go to Ornifex, who is the only way to get boss soul weapons other than strayed, and like Ornifex gives you something, you can only get it from Ornifex, you have to deal with all of that. And if you don't, it will go into the room and probably kill her. <laughs> because it'll be attacking you and like either it'll miss and hit her or you'll try to kill it and hit her. Just terrible. People complain about, like, strayed cell having exploding hollows in it, but, like, at least those don't don't start hostile. (laughs) They'll go hostile if you walk up and punch them, but normally they're not. But, like, Ornifex is just like, why did you do this? Oh, you know what? The NPC Phantom, he has a fucking Avalon. So he just stands outside the door shooting you in the back while you're trying to talk to her. It's horrible. Like, there, there was a Zuli the Witch um, video recently where she showed off that, like, you know in Blight Time when you meet um, Kualana? Mm-hmm. And she's, like, on a little, like, outcrop in the in the swamp. Zuli yeah. was showing off that, like, oh, that, that little outcrop actually has a unique sort of property where you don't make, you're functionally invisible if you're standing on it. Which means that when you go to talk to Kualana, the enemies won't aggro because they can't see you. Okay. It's ba- yeah, it's basically like cloaking you. Um, Ornifex's room doesn't do that. <laughs> There's also a crack in the wall with spiders on the other side of it, and they can come through the... Cr- it's just... <laughs> anyway. The point is, in that room, I'm, I'm trying to set the scene for why people might not have noticed this, because they're either avoiding the room entirely or just <laughs> screaming. Um, in that room, there's a very interesting motif, which is that there are dolls everywhere dolls from bloodborne well they're they'd fit in bloodborne now they're obvious dolls they're like jointed they have jointed limbs um some of the limbs are missing and they're piled up everywhere they're piled up in the corners and they're piled up on the um the shelves behind her and i think like as far as the dark souls 2 that we got is implying um i think she's supposed to have made them because she's like a she's like a crafts bird so I guess, like, in her spare time, uh, she's whittling dolls with her beak. You know what that makes me think of? Yeah? German. Yeah. Because he made the doll or whatever? Yeah. And Ornifex's beak's a bit like a scythe. Oh my god. I love Ornifex being a weaponsmith because she has no arms. So presumably she makes it all with her feet and beak. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you look at those dolls, mm-hmm. about half of them have, like, a cut in the torso going from, like, below the sternum to, to the crotch, essentially, like a split. Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of little tiny indentation in the middle of that. It's very Death Stranding. Yeah, it's like this little tiny indentation that sort of resembles the like the hole in the matryoshka holding cell thing. Oh. And then there's other ones on a shelf that are behind her, and those have a really, really deep recess. Like, it's not even like a little indentation. They're basically like you've punched a hole in the front of the doll, like basically through the ribcage, and they're empty again. So it's like, oh, okay, this is like ignoring for a starters that like it belongs to a weird bird lady like (laughs) that's really weird and it seems to be calling back to the design of the of the holding cells Mm -hmm. then let's go to castle drang lake right 
Yes. Castle Drang Lake is opened by golems. When you go there, there are these two golems standing guard at the gate, and they both have like a lever next to them. And the way that you open the gate is that you kill enemies near the golems, and their souls go up into the golem. You don't get the souls. The golem comes to life, grabs the thing, and opens it. (laughs) Now, the golems have on them, they have a big hole. Yes, they do. They have a hole. looks very, very similar to the holes on the the dolls and in the holding cells. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And also in Castle Drang Lake, they throw a ton of stone enemies at you. Mm-hmm. So Castle Drang Lake itself, full of enemies that are also statues. So there's a combination of enemies that are like regular ones you've seen before with a stone texture. Yeah. That come to life as, like, that enemy, like, the stone fades away and they just stand up again. But there's also ones that are functionally, like, little tiny golems. There's, like, those statues with the horse heads and there's statues with pikes. And, like, they appear to actually just straight up be statues that have come to life. They're not like people that were turned to stone. They just, these things, like, like they were carved. Um, also, we meet the Ruined Sentinels mm-hmm. in Castle Drang Lake, again, which were in the Bastille with the hollow hollow cells. And if you look at the items that are associated with the Ruin Sentinels, it says that they're artificial creations. They're basically a suit of armor that came to life. <laughs> also interesting, Iron Keep talks about how like the smelter demon is a chunk of earth. Like it's a chunk of molten iron or something that was brought to life. The Iron King, the monster, the Balrog thing that you fight, that's Iron King's soul, again, possessing an inanimate object. He's possessing some, like, hunk of, like, Balrog-shaped magmary slime, mm-hmm. and he's bringing it up. And also, if we go into the Iron Keep DLC, you start finding that, oh, there's a ton of, like, the enemies here are, like, hunks of rock and statues and armor that something has brought to life. In this case, it's Nadalia, but it's this recurring theme of, like, souls are bringing inanimate things to life. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we assume that, like, the Throne of Wands just part of Drang Lake, we're not going to, like, go back and forth forever. Um, the way that you get to the Throne of Want is a whole lot of golems appear, come to life, and form a bridge for you. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happens in Castle Drang Lake is we talk to Chancellor Velinger, Velinger? I have no idea how you pronounce his name. Welliger. So we talked to Chancellor Welliger. And Chancellor Welliger talks about the golems. He's actually the first person that fills us in on them. And he says this. He says, The king crossed the ocean and defeated the giants with the queen at his side. The king commandeered their power and created the golems. With the golems, the king created the castle. So, again, these golems are the product of something that Vendrick got from the giants. Mm-hmm. Right. We also see a flashback to that war. We see it in the giant memories, and in that memory we can meet Captain Drummond. Mm-hmm. And Captain Drummond also fills us in on golems, and he says, um, Long ago the king crossed the seas, 
pillaged the lands of giants and brought back a prize. It was then that the golems materialized. So again, like, golems are actually a new thing. Vendrick did something, and then suddenly there were these golems around, and a golem is like a hollowed out shell. But a soul can go into the shell and animate it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, post Drang Lake Castle, we go to Aldia's Keep. Aldia's Keep is where all this research went on. Um, we know Aldia and Vendrick kind of split at some point, but like, Aldia's been doing all this research with his acolytes on like, Aldia's weird shit about like, what are we going to do with like, breaking the cycle and everything like that. Um, so in Aldia's Keep, the first thing is you find a ton of kobolds in the in the courtyard. Yeah. Kobolds turn you into stone when they attack you. Aldia's Keep is also filled with basilisks that turn you to stone. It's full of people that have been turned to stone, um, both in terms of, like, preset ones that a fragrant branch of your will cure, but also players who have been turned to stone by the basilisks. So you'll see petrified things everywhere. And in Aldia's Keep, he has this, like, monster zoo where he's researching all of these things. He has a gargoyle, which is something made of stone, that has come to life. Hmm. So in Lost Bastille, you have three bosses. You have Lost Sinner, you have the Ruined Sentinels, and you have the gargoyles. Two of those three things are artificial. Very explicitly, there's something that's not, like, alive that has been animated somehow. So, Aldi has been uh, doing research on gargoyles. He's also weirdly been doing research on mimics, but, like, what is a mimic? Well, a mimic is a... It's like a treasure chest that's also a thing. It's like it's a division between being alive and being inanimate. Also, really interesting, you know Aldi is keep how it has that giant dragon at the entrance? That's dead. Like, it's a skeleton, but the skeleton can come to life. Like, yeah. briefly for a second, that skeleton can swing back to life again and start, like, biting at you and then disappear. So, I showed you this before and you were complaining about my footage, and you were like, Oh, why didn't you name this? Because, oh, I'm in a room. Oh, what's this? Oh my god, that's so fucked up! So, <laughs> do you want to tell them uh, what you saw in the room that you thought was fucked up? I saw a bunch of dead giants over a hole. Yeah. That's really messed up, Sophie. Yeah, but also, like, remember when you saw them, you didn't say giant, you said golem. Did I? Yes, because the giants look like the golems. Oh. Yeah, so, again, there is clearly some link where, like, Vendrick has gone, he's found the giants, he's brought them back. And then he's created these golems that seem to be a weird, like, facsimile of the giants. And the giants are what are being researched. Like, there's something unique about Dark Souls 2. I know, like, there's a bunch of giants in the series. But there's something unique about the Dark Souls 2 giants that seems to have allowed them to create, like, something, like, to create almost like a shell that you can place souls in. Yeah. Yeah. And let's back up for a second. For anyone who may not have finished the game... It's been seven years. <laughs> Ventric did start some crap with the giants. Yes, exactly. He crossed the sea, met the giants, 
took something from the giants, came back, mm-hmm. and then he made these golems, which no one comments on this in-game, but it's kind of inescapable. They just look like giants. Like, he made little giant facsimiles. So what do you think he stole from the giants? It's never made clear, but it looks to me like he just stole giants. It's not right to say that there's no giants still alive, because there's two in the gutter. Like, not the gutter, there's two in Black Gulch. Like, at the very bottom of the gutter, there's two giants basically, like, hiding out in a little cave. But it looks like all the giants, bar them and the last giant, were killed. But, like, Aldia has a pile of giants that are, like, there's, there's like, an Aldia acolyte next to them with a, with a cleaver who's presumably been cutting them up and, like, looking into them. So, but going back to giants, if you go to the Throne of Want, you don't necessarily fight Nishandra, because you need an item to trigger that fight. The item is called Giant's Kinship. And, like, Giant's Kinship, like, what does it mean? Like, are you actually a giant or something? Like, it basically means, like, the resonance with the giants... Because the throne and the golems won't activate unless you have something, like, of the giants with you. And then the other thing about this is that Vendrick himself, you can fight Vendrick, and he's completely hollowed. (laughs) But if you kill him, you don't get his soul. You get some souls, but you don't get Vendrick's soul because Vendrick's soul is actually in Shrine of Amana. Because Vendrick removed his soul. Do you have any theories on how he made that happen? No, but I think it's all, there's all this, it's all the same process. Yeah. Because there's this, well, do you have any, do you have any theories on what that process is? No, no, but like, I don't think it, it, um, it's ever explained what the process is because that's not the point. The point is like that it's happening at all. I know it's not the point, but I want to know. You put a little tap in. Okay. And then the the soul comes out of the tap into a jar. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And then? And then you take the jar to Shrine of Amana. Okay. (laughs) And you leave it safely there so so your evil wife can't get it. Thank you, Sophie. Hey, it's uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki here to explain how souls work because these two bitches seem uh, somewhat confused. Speaking as somebody who has had a tap installed in their body before, it does not cause the soul to be removed. The tap in my body was there to remove the excess bile that I generated when I first learned of the Dark Souls 3 Hot Wings Challenge. Of course, uh, if any of you assholes out there got good and played Sekiro, you'd know that uh, when the Headless remove your soul from your body, they do it by shoving their fist up your ass. That's where the soul is. It's in the colon. Anyway, back to Dark Souls 2, a game I wasn't involved in. Now, the other thing that, like, is looping around here is the dragons. Because Dark Souls 2, like, it kind of makes a point of foregrounding dragons, I think, more so than um, one did. 
Mm-hmm. Because one is like, hey, the dragons are important, but they're like an old thing. It's all in the Age of Ancients. There's like yeah. one, there's two dragons still kicking around. One of them is in Ash Lake. Uh, one of them is Seath, and then you can go back and meet Calamite. <laughs> and then there's like the Hellkite dragon. It was like, no real dragon. <laughs> um, so we'll ignore that. But like going back to what I said at the very beginning about like what souls and fire do to the world, the dragons are immortal and out of like touch with with the cycle of life at the beginning because they have stone. Like they're basically stone entities that the souls then sort of permeate, which is like a golem. Yeah. But the difference is that the dragons seem to have been like aware and sentient and then souls sort of permeated their rock bodies. Whereas the golems literally seem to have just been like a chunk of rock that came to life. So this is what I mean about like, it doesn't go anywhere because it's just like a bunch of motifs. The other thing is that, when the giants die, they turn into trees. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, again, this, like, little sort of counterpoint there between, like, well, the golems are an inanimate thing made of stone that's been brought to life. When the giants die, they also become an inanimate thing, but it's made of wood. It's made of, like, an, like this sort of living substance as opposed to the stone. Um, there's also golems in Elium Lois. It doesn't really uh, fill in a huge amount on them. But, like, the golems in Elium Lois are just, like, they just look like the ones from Drang Lake. And they behave in the same way, where if you kill things next to them, they'll take the soul and come to life. So, yeah, there's this interesting, like, web of connected motifs in two that seem to be about, like, this quest to understand, like, the division between the body and the soul. That, like, you can remove the soul from a body and put it in something else. And you have this image of like, well, there's these bodies that don't have souls continue to operate. And that can be both like a living body that's had the soul removed from it. It can also be an inanimate body that a soul has been placed into. You can also like, there's a very heavy emphasis on like the transformation of something that is animate to something that is inanimate. So you have all of these, all of these people who have become rock. Whether it's like the petrified NPCs that you rescue with fragrant branches, or it's the enemies that are essentially disguised as statues and then attack you. Mm-hmm. And you have like Vendrick, like Vendrick sort of escapes Nishandra by literally pulling his soul out of his body and putting it somewhere else. And the key to all this seems to be like the giants, because something about the giants seems to have like maybe not triggered the research, but like allowed the research to progress. And like, I think, I think what it's getting at with Vendrick and the giant war is that like Aldia and Vendrick probably knew about this and they wanted to learn more about the giants. And that was the cause of the war. However, they also specified that it was Nishandra who was like with Vendrick during the fight. So presumably they're still, they're still like, like not fighting at this point. Like Nishandra's not gone full evil yet. So was it Nishandra that wanted this research done? Because Nishandra can't access the throne unless you have something of the giants with you. Mm-hmm. Like she wants the giants kinship. She just can't take it. So there's this whole, like, yeah, all of these ideas sort of like interconnect, but like, like I was saying, almost no one in the game actually comments on it, either as a character or in 
item text. It's just like, they'll mention, oh yeah, Vendrick and Nishandra uh, went off and fought some giants, and then there were these golems. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it is mostly in the form of just like these weird visual motifs that keep recurring. And there's just something about that that's like, Vendrick is sort of creating life in a sense. Yeah. And, like, what the hell is Shanalot? Like, she's a created being. They made her. They made her out of a dragon. And dragons are made of rock. <laughs> so you can, it's all kind of going, going around and around and around. And, like, this is a Dark Souls 3 thing that I've talked about before, but I think it bears repeating, is that, like, Ocelot, right? Yeah. If you look at that name, Ocelot, like, the suffix lot, it sounds like little. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like a diminutive suffix. So it's like, Oh, Oseros, the kid is Oselot. It must mean like little Oseros or something. Yeah. Yeah. Shanalot. Shandra, Nishandra, Shanalot? Yeah. Is Shanalot meant to be like little Chandra? Because Vendrick does call her Chandra. It's like his pet name for her. Um, when you talk to the like the, the the sort of shade of Vendrick, he will like he'll sort of wistfully call her like my Chandra. The other thing about and like, now I'm going to contradict myself and then go back again. Okay. okay. That's okay. the dialectic. Right. So, um, people will say, well, in, in the uh, Japanese script, he doesn't ever say Chandra. He just calls her like, um, he just calls her Nishandra, but he doesn't call her Nishandra because her name in Japanese isn't Nishandra. Whoa. It's Duna Chandra. So it, the Chandra part still seems to be separate. It's like Duna Chandra. Like it's like she has she has a more complicated name. All the na- the, the characters' names in in English got changed a lot, and I don't actually know why. Um, like Nishandra is du- Duna Chandra, Vendrick is Vanclad, and Aldia is Andil. Mm-hmm. And I don't quite understand why they changed them. I guess like maybe just it just sounded better to them. Maybe. I mean, Aldia does sound a bit more stately than Andil, but, like, other than that, like, Vanclad's a good name for, like, a conquering king. (laughs) So it's this interesting, like, web of connections where, like, Aldia and Vendrick seem completely fixated on the idea of, like, figuring out this, like, disconnect between the soul and the body. Mm -hmm. Removing the soul from the body, placing the soul in inanimate objects. Sometimes just removing the soul entirely and leaving a literal empty body in the case of Vendrick. And I think in the case of a lot of those like rupturing hollows in, um, in the, in the Bastille, we have like souls also being used to animate completely inanimate objects, like hunks of iron and rock are coming to life. If you put souls in them, mm-hmm. we also have interestingly, like obviously dark souls has had ghosts in it. That's not, that's like, they're one of the first things you run into if you go to New Londo. But like Dark Souls 2 has interactive ghosts. <laughs> there's this, because this this recurring like theme in 2 about like, what is a person? Like if you remove someone's memories, they still who they are. So you have like, like we talked about Luca Till's quest line a lot with Alistair, because it's the one everyone like sort of remembers, where it's like, Luca Teal is worried about herself hollowing. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the way that characters in Dark Souls 1 talk about hollowing, it's more like someone in like a zombie apocalypse movie, where they're like, I don't want to succumb to this thing. Luca Teal is way more existential about it, because she's like, 
I don't want to succumb to this thing because like everything I am in my identity, like all my memories and everything that will go away and there'll be something left that's not me. Mm -hmm. And like, that's sort of the focus of her questline. And when you think about it, like, well, that's going back to this notion of like hollowed out inanimate bodies, because like if Luca Teal loses like her sense of self entirely, like in a sense you have, she's become a golem. She's become this like empty hunk of meat. Wow. So yeah, it's just this recurring series of like ideas that just link into each other. But like I said, they, they're not ever zeroed in on. They just sort of exist in the background. So you have like Vendrick and Aldia are completely obsessed with like removing a soul from a body and then like putting that soul in something else. Mm-hmm. Whether do they just removing the soul in the case of Vendrick or whether they are putting that soul in an inanimate object like a gargoyle or a suit of armor or a golem or in, in old iron King's case, like into a piece of molten iron. And that seems to be tied to these giants who we learn very little about. So it's odd that like for such a pivotal thing in the game and something that like the whole final act of the game is really about tracking down the giants aren't something that's really explored in terms of people talking about them yeah they just exist but like they're clearly pivotal and there's something about these giants that like has unlocked this ability in part at least to to transfer souls and give life to things that were not alive yeah yeah and um these giants like when they die they don't really die. They transmute into trees. And trees are kind of interesting in that regard because a tree is alive. A tree is like an animate thing, but it can't move and it's not conscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just this thing that goes throughout the game over and over again. And I just wanted to talk about it because like there's no there's no like ending to this. It's not like <laughs> And the answer is blank, or like my thesis is blank. I'm just like, this is something that is in the background constantly in this absolutely massive game. Yeah. And um, it's not like two people talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really, really interesting topic. And that's a really, really interesting observation. Because when you start the game, right away you stumble upon a tree giant, you stumble upon the giant boss, the last giant. He's the last giant, but there's technically another two hiding in the gutter. Well, I mean, he, well, again, um, Vendrick's weakness is giants. <laughs> so, okay, so the deal with Vendrick is Vendrick has exceedingly ridiculous defense. Like, you'll do like one pixel of damage to him. If you use enough giant souls, his defense goes down to like one, I think one sixteenth of what it was. He's still really tough, mm-hmm. but it's it's feasible. Okay. Like Fume Knight, I had to do it on level 25, but unlike Fume Knight, I didn't record it. So unfortunately, I can't show it off. It took um, slightly longer than Fume Knight. Vendrick, is, Vendrick has like three moves. They all one-shot me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I did about like... 2.5% damage per hit. So I just had to dodge him and hit him 40 times without getting hit in return. And then guess what? What? His armor set has a minimum strength requirement, so I can't even wear it. <laughs> I, I gave it to Rosabeth. Oh. 
I think Rosabeth and Yorshka could be best friends. Rosabeth and Yorshka's high school reunion. <laughs> Sophie, do the outro. That was a visual motif in Dark Souls 2. Uh, if you were hoping for some great insight, we didn't have any. <laughs> so I think if everyone leaves your theory about how Vendrick removed his soul from his body, um, we could do a like little addendum episode going over them and figuring <laughs> out which one is the most plausible. <gasps> All my dreams are coming true. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. Thank you, Vendrick. Thank you, Aldia. Um, thank you... <laughs> All these acolytes, um, thank you anyone who's tried to pervert the course of nature by bringing life to inanimate art. Thank you, Victor Frankenstein. Thank you, um, uh, anyone who's out there who's also made a golem. And thank you everyone for listening, and see y'all next time! Bye! Bye!